Now that we are in 2020, in this episode, we take a look at what we can expect in housing this year. Happy New Year, everybody, and welcome to episode 49 of Real Estate Chat with Jason Z. I'm Jason Zawalik of the Zawalik Group with First Team and Christie's International Real Estate, coming to you from sunny Orange County, California. Today, we are pushing 80 degrees in January, so gotta love that. So I hope you all had a fantastic holiday and a great new year. Everybody was safe and enjoyed time with your friends and family and maybe just unwinding as 2019 comes to a close. So what I thought I would do for this episode, for our first episode of 2020, is I would take some time to look at what we are expecting as a forecast for 2020 in the real estate market here in Orange County. So uh, we we, uh, have a great report that we really rely on in our business um, from Stephen Thomas, who's a local economist, and he really um, dives into the market every couple weeks. And it's uh, it's a great report that we get in and, and he released his forecast. Um, so I'm kind of going to talk with that, um, really rely on that. And then also what we've seen as and just in our experience and what we've seen coming in as we move into 2020. So let's get right into it. What can we expect in the next year. So as we know, in 2019, even with everything that was going on with um, the the trade wars and the slow uh, international slowdown, impeachment, Brexit, um, and everything, we actually had a very strong economy. Um, We saw unemployment reach 50-year lows. Um, GDP was more than anybody could have expected. Um, Interest rates dropped from 4.5 to 3.5 and then climbed slightly at the end to 3.75. But um, it was it was all in all from an economy perspective, it was a great uh, year. Um, when we call it, saw from housing, is um, we saw that new home sales they turned around um, at, from a really a real sluggish start at the beginning of the year and um, came in a little bit stronger at the end. And I think it um, it was it's a great thing for housing as especially as we move into. 2020. So we'll break it down. So when we first look, what we can expect with the active inventory. So as the year when, when um, as the year began, um, we were hovering around the 3,750 homes, um, which is actually the third lowest. Uh, number of homes on the market in the last decade, um, only behind 2013 and 2018. Um, So I think it's going to be a really hot start for the housing. Um, I don't think there's going to be enough homes on the market. Um, Buyers, they're going to have to really um, work and have a great strategy to come up with to to win um, some of the homes that they want to get into. Um, But but that's not to be said that there's there's not some out there that are going to be available. I think we're still going to see houses that are overpriced. Um, Pricing is still going to be important because I think buyers, although they will extend themselves, I don't think they're going to extend themselves um, like we saw in like 2012 or whatnot. But uh, I think it's going to be um, it's going to be a little bit tougher for the buyers as we start the year, and it's going to be a solid market for the sellers. Um, what is typical is we will see the inventory increase and probably peak in 
the midsummer, July, August, um, as we typically see every year. We do have some anomalies where we saw some peaks that went into October or whatnot in the last couple of years. But typically, we see that peak in the midsummers, and then the supply starts to dip as we move into the end of 2020. Um, demand, demand will um, will definitely um, be tough for it's going to be tough for buyers even though buyers are going to want to be in the market um, i think that you're going to want to see with rates still historically low um we saw some a really cool uh thing that was added on this year where loan limits were increased for um, conforming loan limits so that really will help out um some people and, and bring people into the market um so i think that's a that's a great thing especially in that first time home buyer category so I think that's going to be amazing. I think as we move, um, it's going to be strong in the spring and the summers. Um, and and like like I said, like it was just chatting about i think buyers will stretch themselves a little bit um, to get into the market uh, just because of the interest rates are so low um, however i don't think they're going to be overpaying like they have in the past uh, so as a seller you're gonna have to really be smart about things don't be overpricing your house you want to be priced right and if you price it right you're going to get probably get multiple offers and you're probably going to sell quickly which is which is what everybody wants um, i think we're gonna what we see is a, a how uh, we don't see any anything pointing to um a non-normal housing market so i think it's going to be a normal housing market where we have those ebbs and flows throughout the year where um it uh, inventory increases so it's a hot market in the spring um into the summer and then as the summer into the holiday season it slows um quite um, significantly um, and then accumulates at the end of the year um, with uh, lower demand and lower inventory as well. Um, closed sales are expected to increase between 3 to 5% um, uh, compared to 2019. And just for comparison, 2019 was up 2% compared to 2018. So uh, we are going to see a little bit of an increase there. The luxury market, uh, what um, we're looking at, we could see an increase of um, up to 10% um, from 2019 to 2020 in closed markets with the uh, spring market again being strong and the second half of the year being um, a little bit slower. Uh, interest rates, I think we'll, we'll see, keep them at the status quo. Um, there are a lot of things that could play into part play into this um, with trade war, Brexit, upcoming presidential election and whatnot. Um, and that's really going to decide whether mortgage rates are going up or down. But I really think that when you're looking at this um, I don't think we're going to see much of a change. Um, if the economy continues to improve, rates could rise into the fours. Um, however, if there's more negative news regarding the economy, um, they could drop further. So um, with the rates currently around 375, um, dropping any further, it's going to be um, a steal um, when it comes down to these historically low rates. But uh, I really think it's kind of going to be, be similar. Um, as we saw in 2019. Uh, when it comes to distress sales, so these are foreclosures, notice of default, um, they really don't play a big part in our market. Uh, we're looking at 0.9% of all closed sales in Orange County were, were um, considered distressed. Uh, so that's 250 homes out of 
30,000. So it's uh, quite a small number, and I don't think uh, we're really going to see much of a change there. So really, what's the bottom line? Bottom line, I think we're going to see a hot market to start. Uh, it's going to be a real seller's market coming in um, as we move towards the into the spring market. I think uh, you may see multiple offers, especially in those homes in the first-time home cat buyer category, so under a million. Um, and I think it's going to be um, a little bit tougher for the buyers. But however, um, it could be the perfect time if you're looking at selling um, in that under million range and buying in the one five range or one four range, you may be able to hit um, some, you may be able to kind of strike it while it's hot in the seller's market and then move into like a, a little bit of a slower market not a slow market but a slower market um so you may not have to deal with multiple offers as you buy your your step up house so that's kind of a, a great thing so um i think it's going to really help with the, the conforming loan rates could bring more buyers into the market um it's just a matter of whether there'll be homes for them to buy and uh, that that's going to be i think the big concern um as we move into the sell the second half of the year we're going to see that inventory continue to drop after uh, the peak in the summer um but demand will drop as well and um, we're really going to be uh we're going to see the same kind of trends that we've seen in the past um but it, again if you're a seller you don't make the mistake of overpricing your home <laughs> even though we're telling you it's going to be a seller's market and it's going to be a strong market um, if you overprice your home, it's going to sit, and then if it sits, uh, it's just really going to be uh, tough to get that price that you want, and you could end up losing money on, on the um, back end. So you want to make sure um, that you do not overprice. You um, continue to align your home properly. Talk to your agent. Talk about alignment, getting aligned in the market. Um, I've done a, uh, another episode on that. I'll probably do another one because of, of how important it is aligning your home, in, especially in these hot markets. In any market, it's important. Um, but in this hot market, and you, you, could, you could have some huge wins um, when it comes to uh, this selling your home and getting in, and um, taking advantage of this market that we're going to be seeing here in uh, the early 2020. So I hope this helps. Uh, if, as always, if you have any questions, please let us know. You can reach us at Zawalik at firstteam.com or you can text me over at 949-345-1183. Uh, make sure you follow us. Um, you can follow this podcast so you're notified every time there is a new episode. Um, I was a little bit behind uh, here um, just with the holidays and everything, but uh, really going to bear down and make sure that I get something out every week to you. Um, just I really think it's important um, to help uh, give some more information and get as much information out there to you um, on the housing market here in Orange County. And, and, and a lot of this, these tips you can use, any whether you're buying a house here in the in California, in New York, and in Canada, doesn't doesn't really matter. Um, I'm also gonna, I think I'm gonna extend this podcast as well. I'm gonna um, start talking about other things like live, what it's like to live here in Orange County, things to do in Orange County. Um, I have, uh, be, um, I relocated here from Canada in 2012, so I um, can have firsthand knowledge of what it's like to move. Um, from another country in, into California. So I definitely have some insight in there. So um, if you want to hear anything else, just let us know. Um, again, I hope you guys all have a killer 2020. Let's make it the best year yet. Start the decade off right. Um, I hope you guys all have a fantastic week. And until next week, 
Take care, everybody. Hey, everyone. Happy Monday. I hope you all had a fantastic weekend. Uh, Jason Zawalik here of the Zawalik Group with First Team and Christie's International Real Estate. I want to take a minute today to talk to all of my investors out there. So whether you're thinking of buying a house, an investment property or you own some investment property, this is something you're really going to want to listen to and uh, take some notes if you need to, but you really need to understand what happened as of January 1st. So January 1st, 2020, AB 1482 came into play. And what this is, is the California Rent Control Bill. And they really brought this in uh, to combat uh, rising prices uh, of homes, rising rent prices, and evictions, and homelessness. So they're really trying to do it, because we all know we have a housing crisis here in California, and they're really doing everything they can to combat this. So this is one way that they're doing that. So what, I, what we did is we, have five questions here that we think are um, gonna be important questions that people are really gonna ask. Whether you're a landlord or you're a tenant, these questions are really gonna be important. So I have a copy of this, so I will make this available. Uh, I'll put it in a link, um, or if you wanna send me a message, I can send it to you directly um, so that you have this on file so that you can refer to it whenever you need to. But what I thought I would do today is just go through these questions and answer them, um, talk about them, and then we can uh, go from there. So I'm not gonna jump right in. Let's look at question number one. Question number one, what is the rent cap allowed by the bill? So the maximum increase within a 12 month period is 5% plus inflation as measured by the consumer price index, which is the CPI, or 10%, whichever, low, whichever is lower. Okay, so that's what that is. Right now, I believe it's at 8.3%. So that's the max amount allowed for that rent increase. Okay, so you might be wondering, what's the CPI? What is the consumer price index? Where does that number come from? So let's let's answer that question next. So what is the consumer price index? So the applicable CPI is either the regional CPI as published by the US Bureau of Statistics or if there is no regional index available, the California CPI for all consumers for all items as determined by the California Department of Industrial Relations. That's a mouthful, okay? But essentially what it is, is they're coming up with these numbers uh, to show what that inflation number is. And so, and that's gonna be capped. That's what is gonna help cap these rents. So you have to really uh, be aware of that, what that number is, so that um, you're not in violation of this bill, okay? So the next question is, can a landlord raise the rent beyond the cap after a tenant moves out and the unit is vacant, okay? So the answer is yes, they can, okay? Once, once the tenant, tenant has moved out and the, the unit is vacant, that landlord can raise the rent beyond that 8.3% and there's no issues. However, the landlord cannot evict a tenant to do that, okay? So they can't say, hey, you know what? Your lease is coming up. We're not renewing your lease or whatever, and we're raising your rent. We're gonna get, we're gonna basically evict you, 
and then we're going to raise your rent to um, beyond that 8.3% and then bring you back. That's not allowed. So they are allowed to do that if the unit is vacant and the tenant moves out, okay? But you can't be evicted for that purpose. So may, hopefully that makes sense. Let's look at the next question. Question number four. What if my rent was increased in 2019? And this is a great question. So if your rent has increased more than 8.3% between March 15th and uh, January 1st of 2020, March 15th of 2019 and January 1st of 2020, your rent may go down, okay? So starting on January 1st, 2020, your rent reduces to your rent on 3.15, March 15th, plus 8.3%, okay? So hopefully that makes sense. So say you have your rent, your rent on, on March 15th was X amount of dollars and it was increased 10% last year, okay? Um, so it went up to, went up that full 10%. Well, on Jan as of January 20, uh, 1st, 2020, your rent needs to go back to that original amount that it was on the on the 15th of March plus 8.3%. So in general, your rent would come down 1.7% in, in, in that scenario. Um, so hopefully that makes sense. So if, if you did get a rent increase or as a landlord, if you did increase your rent, then you need to really um, look, check your numbers and make sure that you are in compliance with this law. Um, we just don't want anybody to get into any trouble and, uh, and, and land themselves in court because of this. So let's, um, let's uh, take care of this now. And that's one of the reasons that I wanted to go over some of this stuff, okay? So also if your rent increases less than 8.3% uh, between March 15th and um, 2019 and, and January 1st, 2020, your rent will stay the same. And they, there could be two more increases before March 15th, 2020, not to exceed 8.3% above your March 15th, 2019 rent. So essentially the bottom line is the max that your rent can go up um, from March 15th, 2019 it is 8.3%. That, that, that makes things easier. If it went up higher more than that, then it can, it can, um, it, it will come, should come down. And if it didn't go up that much, then over the course of the next couple months until March 15th of 2020, you may see two more rent increases that are legal to get you up to that 8.3%. So let's use an example. March 15th, your rent was uh, $1,000 a month and they it went up $50 a month. Okay, so when it went up 5% um, in, that, in that time. So now between now and March 15th of 2020, your, the landlord can increase that uh, rent two more times and can in increase it to a max of $1,083 or 8.3%. So your rent can go up $33 more. That's in our scenario here. Um, I don't know if you can find rent for $1,000 here in California, but hey, you know what? Let's just use that scenario for fun, right? So so that, that kind of explains what happens if your rent has gone up. So let's uh, look at the final question, and this one is um, a really great one, and it brings up some, to light some things that need to be done by you as a landlord. So how does a renter know if they are covered by AB 1482? So 
a renter in a single family home. And that's really what we're talking about here because a lot of the people that we deal with, a lot of you out there, they live in, they have single family homes that they're renting out. We have a couple that we are actually our landlords for. We, we own a couple of rentals ourselves. Um, so that this is where that's coming, coming to for, for you. So um, is covered by the rent cap and, and the just cause for eviction requirement if the home is owned by a corporation or a real estate investment trust, okay? If it's not owned by a corporation or if it's not owned by a real estate investment trust, not a private trust, but a real estate investment trust, then um, it does not apply. AB 1482 does not apply to you, okay? That's really important. Okay, so you have to understand that. Some people have their rentals in corporations to protect them, but if they are, if you, it is in a corporation or an LLC, um, you definitely wanna um, look into that because that is where the rent control bill does come into play, okay? If it's just privately owned, it's under your name, it's under your family trust or whatever, not under a real estate investment trust, then AB 1482 does not apply. However, there is a caveat. And this is something that is extremely important and I wanna get this all out to our investors right now, okay? Everybody's looking at me? All right, let's get this. If you, your home, your investment property does not uh, be affected by AB 1482, so 1482 does not apply to your home, you have to let your tenants know in writing that it does not apply. Okay, and you have to do so, and if you don't, then it does apply, okay? So just what I would do, send out a letter, email, whatever way you wanna do so that you have um, uh, proof that you did send this to them and let them know that, hey, AB, just so you know, pursuant to, to the new law, um, AB 1482, um, your our home does not apply to the the bill does not apply to our home right something something along those along those lines so uh, i think that's really important and i think a lot of landlords need to know that so so hopefully this has answered some of your questions like i said we've got a great sheet here a great form outlines the questions that i talked about today i think it's a uh, this is very important to have in your files just so you know what it's about so let me know if you want one Hit the, hit the comments below. Um, I will send this over to you. Uh, also, um, I'll post it in the link on, on YouTube. It'll be in the, uh, there'll be a link to a copy of this. So check it out. Uh, other than that, I hope you guys all have a great week. Um, I love our investors out there. Keep investing. Great way to build wealth is through real estate. So um, have a fantastic week this week. And until next time, take care, everybody.